Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Bust and Loose Baseball, hosted by Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer, gives you in-depth analytics and interviews on everything baseball in the nation's capital. Now, here's your host, Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer. Sticking here with the second half, Grant, are there any expectations you have? Are there anything that you're watching here in the second half specifically to see exactly how guys are growing or what are you looking for out of the Nats in the second half here? Well, we just saw Josiah Gray make a start, and it didn't go all that well. Uh, I'm really interested in kind of his second half. Is there a regression coming here where the ERA of, of now over three and a half, you know, does it finish? in the fours or, or is he able to sustain this and have a three, four for the season or something like that? Uh, you and I have looked at some of the out, you know, the uh, peripherals as I call them, but some of those outliers against his success and, and some of the results this year, we've kind of expected that there was going to be some regression. I mean, you've seen now 18 hits in his last two starts over 10 innings, which is not a, not where you want to be. Now he's done a really good job holding, teams to just three and four runs, but he's had to get bounced from the game after five innings to do it. So when I look at his game log, like I'm looking for the last really good Jojo start. He had one against Philly where he went six innings, one run, eight strikeouts at the end of June, three starts ago. Other than that, I like the seven inning four run outing he had against Houston, but it's not a quality start. So if you're looking for a quality start, you got to go back to May 16th. Uh, seven innings of one earned run ball with five strikeouts at the Marlins. And that was back-to-back quality starts. But since then, he's pitched right around 10 times. And I think he has two quality starts, which is six or more innings, three or fewer runs uh, by definition. So I, I just want to see you know, the second half for him, You know how he locks it in, what becomes of him, his season. We saw him go the distance last year, so it's not like he's doing it for the first time but it's still a grind. He didn't get to take the all-star break off like he typically does for a young player. That can sometimes lead to you know a little more fatigue into August and September. Um, he's still 25 and kind of building up the strength and learning how to figure out how to navigate 162. And I guess by, by that token, I would also throw Mackenzie Gore into the conversation. Your boy. I mean, Mackenzie Gore uh, is, I think, the highest ceiling starter that they have. But he's hit the skids here, right? I mean, uh, we saw 
him go two and two thirds, six hits, seven runs against the Phillies last time. Then he pitched against the Reds and the rain came. So he's had a nice little break. I mean, that was 11 days ago and he hasn't thrown as of right now since, since a four out uh, performance where the, the rain came. But uh, I want to see how he finishes the year. You know, this is the first time now as a 24 year old because he got hurt last year and kind of got shut down. He's already surpassed last year's start total, last year's innings total. Uh, how do they use him? How many innings? How many pitches are they giving him down the stretch? So I guess I'm back where I started the year, Tobe. You know, I, I cared about those two pitchers almost more than anything. And if you're asking me in the second half, like what my eye is on, it's Abrams Ruiz offensively, and it's Gore and, and Gray from a pitching standpoint. Yeah, and if we look at some of Gray's numbers, I'll get to Gore in just a second, but a 5.03 ERA last year to a 3.59 this year. But if we're looking at the expected ERA, a 4.25 last year and a 4.51 this year. So to your point about some of these peripherals, it doesn't baseball savant and statcast does not like so far what Josiah Gray has done this season. And so we'll see in this second half. I talked about this a little bit uh, the other day, so I'll pull up some of these numbers. They're not current. These are as of before the, the last start, but his ground ball rate was up 9%. His barrel rate was down 3%. His launch angle was down 6 degrees. We talked about his pitch mix being different this year. So we'll see if Josiah Gray can continue, I guess you would say, good luck this year and continue to go out there and produce results on the baseball f- field that don't necessarily show up in StatCast. I'm interested to see that, though, because this is a guy that was your all-star he was your team leader and the guy that represented you out in Seattle. Is he able to continue that? And he he's battled. Like you said, it's been a while since we've seen a dominant JoJo outing, but I don't know if I see JoJo ever being a dominant starter. That's why he's kind of a fun guy to root for. He's a bulldog. He goes out there and he fights hard for however many innings he can get to, you know, 100 pitches every time out and does his best. And you see where he's at at the end of it. He tries to keep the team in the ball games. He's done that this year for the most part. So I think with Josiah Gray, that's a great point that let's see if he can continue having the year that he's had. And then on to Mackenzie Gore, you talked about his innings. He's already at 89 and two thirds innings pitched. And we talked about this during the rain delay when he had to get taken out. It might've been a blessing in disguise because his most innings he's ever thrown in a season in professional baseball was 101 in 2019. And so, I mean, if he goes and finishes that outing, you're sitting at, what, 93 innings, somewhere around there, and you're already one or two starts away from him getting to that threshold. So it'll be interesting to see how exactly they manage him in the second half. Do they skip some starts? You've already seen that they are not going to pitch him in the first three, uh, the the first series of this second half, so they're trying to save him some innings. How are they going to manage him down the stretch? And I'm interested to see, too, now that he's had that extended break, We saw Jake Irvin have a skip start, basically have 10 days off, and he came back a totally different pitcher, and he was better, way better afterwards. Can Mackenzie Gore have that same sort of thing? Because what we've seen so far out of Mackenzie Gore has been encouraging. He's ninth in the league in terms of a minimum of 80 innings pitched in Ks per nine. So he's striking out a lot of guys, 108 strikeouts. The problem, the flip side, if you're doing minimum 80 innings pitched, seventh worst in walks per nine. This guy is walking a lot of guys. So 108 strikeouts, but 39 walks, a 442 ERA. I think you're pretty happy with that. If you didn't know the context of the season that's, you know, for most of the year, he's been spending it in the threes. The problem is the 146 whip. That's really the problem. You need to get that down, continue to 
you know, dial in on the strike zone and improve. But I think what we've seen from Gore so far this season has to be encouraging. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how they manage him. But if we're going to go to the bat side, I agree. Before you move on, I I want to touch on a couple of things. So the first thing, huge point and a good point on Gore and the walks. I would just add a little color to say, I do think he's improved as the year's gone on, right? So that walk rate is what it is. I mean, it's real, but I think it reflects. He had 16 walks, just as an example, in April. He had 12 in May. He had eight in June. So you're noticing the staircase going down here. July, obviously, he only pitched the one uh, inning, uh, the one outing, and he got shelled two and two-thirds. Uh, but he did walk three. That was not not good at all. So his walk rate is terrible in the month of July, uh, if you look at it. But I do think early in the year, more of an issue with the walks. Hopefully it sustains, and he continues to, to do some good things. You mentioned something with Gray that I wanted to hit on as well, which is I, I think it's important to note, like, when he was acquired, I don't remember how I felt exactly about what he could be. I, I, I don't think I've ever expected him to be an ace or, or – Maybe I thought a number two possibly as like a frontline guy because he was a pretty high-end prospect with the Dodgers. But really, since I've been watching him closely, I think a number three is kind of where you hope he ends up. And he's basically, to your point, when you say he's probably not going to be dominant, like he's looked more like a back-end guy, uh, mostly, like a fourth starter this year kind of. Um, Now, he just made an all-star team, and he went three up, three down against three Rangers in the all-star game, and that was really cool. Uh, I'm not belittling Josiah Gray. I mean, he's probably my favorite player on the team. If I was going to buy a jersey of someone, it would be him. I I really love the guy. Uh, Having said that, I think there's still, like, you might be right, or you're definitely right, that he's probably not the ace of the staff, ultimately, when they're winning the division. Again, I think there's more ceiling, though, than what we've seen. Like, the best version of him is that stretch he had for nine starts early in the year, where his ERA was a little over two. And he was awesome. And I think that's why he became an all-star. And and that's better than what we've seen here recently. So whereas he's mostly pitched maybe like a four-ish type starter, I think he probably could settle in as like a three. Now, they may not need him to, right, depending on what happens. If they sign a horse and an ace and, and Gore is their two and Cavalli is their three and Gray's their four, I mean, it d- doesn't really matter how you slot these guys in by definition. I, I guess my point is I, I do think there's a little more ceiling for him still to be a mid-rotation starter. Yeah, 100%. I think he's still trying to find that perfect mix of pitches for himself right now. He's he's down on the four-seamer almost 16% this season, so he's taken a lot of that out of it because last year that was one of the worst pitches in baseball. He's throwing the slider more. I think he's just got to find that perfect mix. Him and Hickey are going to continue working on that. You mean you've seen him work on a cutter, you've seen him work on a sweeper, all types of different things. I think once they find what exactly works for him, then you'll see him really take that step forward uh, once again. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. So going to the bat side of things, you mentioned CJ and those guys. We're obviously going to continue to look at the young guys. But if we're looking at some of the veterans, the guy I'm interested to see 
is Joey Manessis. Can he continue to hit the ball out of the ballpark? Can he continue to drive the baseball? Because this is a guy that, honestly, I was thinking he could be a trade ship at the deadline going into the season because if this guy were to continue to hit the ball like he was, he would have been the power in this lineup. He would have been your middle-of-the-order bat, but then someone would have probably liked to have him if he was going to continue to hit like that, and he hasn't. So can he find it again? He did in that Texas series but can he continue to hit the ball out of the ballpark? Because I think if he does that, we saw him do it all of last year when he came up for the Nationals, and I know that's a short sample size. We saw him do it in the World Baseball Classic, and for whatever reason, through the first 80 games of the season, we saw him hit two homers. So I don't know what happened there, but if he starts hitting him again in the second half, I think he's someone that you maybe look moving in the offseason if someone were interested in him. It's not like you're going to get tons for him. It's not like he's going to bring in a haul, but I think if you're if he's not hitting for any power, he's never going to go anywhere. But if he hits for some power, a team might look to add him. So I think looking at Joey Manessis, and obviously even if they don't move him, this order needs some power, and he's the guy to do it. So I'm interested to see if he can continue hitting for power. Yeah, if he ends up with like 15 homers or something, he hits nine more, and it'll have been basically 13 since the middle of July on. You know, maybe somebody's intrigued. I mean, he's 31. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's just it's going to be hard, I think, if you're talking about trading him to get anything back that's particularly valuable. Like he might actually have more value as a guy who hits 280 for you as a DH with a little bit of pop uh, than whatever you're getting back. Although I'd make the case if I could flip him for, you know, a kid in a ball throwing 95, I might just do that. Um, Take a lottery ticket over, you know, an aging uh, guy that I got as a minor league free agent, you know, on the waiver wire, but uh, baseball is just incredible. I don't, I don't really have anything more to say about Manessis and the power surge than that. Like you and I sat here, bro, for months going, what in the heck is going on? Joey <laughs> Manessis can't hit a home run. He is, uh, oh, I forgot the guy's name already. Who was their second baseman last year that didn't Homer for like 300 at bats? Oh, Cesar Hernandez. Uh, there you go. He can't hit a home run. Like, what is going on here? This is outrageous. And sure enough, in a three-game sample, right before the break, he homers four times after two homers in 80 games or whatever. Like, baseball is so crazy. Same thing with CJ and the steals. Why doesn't he steal more? What is going on? 77 games, nine steals. And then in the span of five games, he had seven steals. Like, it's it's just such a funny sport. It's why I love it. Uh, but I, I'm guessing that he will start to drive the ball more. It's clearly, to, to me, he figured something out with the swing. Um, and, and he's lifting the ball a little bit more. And if that means the average dips some, so be it. I, look, he hit almost 300, and his OPS was, like, barely over 700. That doesn't get you very far. I'd rather you hit 260 and have an OPS closer to 800 you know, that's going to lead to a lot more runs, I think, in offense uh, the rest of the way for the Nats. And then looking through the rest of the way, we're approaching the trade deadline just in a couple of weeks here. Any guys that you're looking at, I think the obvious one is Jamer Candelario. I think he's at the top of the list, and I don't see any way aside from him being injured that he's a national past August 1st. What do you think you could get back in a trade for Jamer? I don't think they're going to get anything that's like overly exciting. Uh, I think they will get kind of a middle of the pack top 30 type prospect from a team maybe. And my hope in that is just based on, uh, I think the market's pretty bare. Um, 
But remember, it's a rental player and it's not a star. Uh, I am also pretty high on Candelario. I liked him when they acquired him more than people did. I, I like him now, I think, more than people do. That does not mean I would keep him. I would trade him. But I think he's a good defensive third baseman. Who's I think he's awesome in the clubhouse. He's incredibly valuable as a leader. When, when I sit in what I call the good seats, occasionally I'll get some good seats and, and I'll you know go down by the field. And the way he interacts in the on-deck circle with guys in the dugout or you know, the way he grabs Luis Garcia as he's walking to the plate or whatever and has a quick conversation with him, like that stuff all adds up and matters. And he's been really, really good for them. And he'll be really good for whatever team brings him in. You know, I could see it being somebody's like, depending on how good the system is, like 17th or 18th or 20th prospect or something. You know, maybe they go quantity if that's a strategy. You could go with like two players or three players that are unranked prospects, you know, that are really, really low down the, not only the rankings, but the the pipeline. Like I said, where you just take, you know, you flip Jamer Candelario for a couple of pitchers that are teenagers. And if you want to trust in, I don't even want to say your development staff, but trust in the fact that you can kind of accidentally stub your toe into one of those guys becoming something. That's not a bad philosophy either, but I think they have to trade him. I would trade him. My question is that would you trade Hunter Harvey? Uh, he's got two years of control left. He's turned himself into a really nice back end reliever throwing a hundred for them. He's been their de facto closer here recently. Uh, he blew some saves early on and I know people got down on him but he's really young in the role at 28 years old and doesn't have a lot of experience. And you know, he's just career ERA in the twos this year. His whip is under one. He's actually been fantastic. Like I think they might be able to get something decent for him with two years of control. Uh, that might be the, their best return. Perhaps if someone really likes his arm. Yeah. I think the only thing with him is now watching what's going on with his arm here, whatever that is, the injury concerns from before. And now there's some concern now with MRI and everything. So we'll see what happens with that. But, you know, just saying if he were healthy, I agree with you. I think that he probably brings back the best return. I think with Lane Thomas, I don't think that he's getting moved, but looking back at the, the relievers, my thought process on trading relievers is if you can get anything for any of them, just trade them. Now, I don't say that I want them to just move guys for the heck of it. Like, you know, we're talking about Jamer maybe bringing back a couple of unranked prospects, I'm not trading Hunter Harvey for that. I'm not trading Kyle Finnegan for that, but if teams are willing to give you something, go ahead, move them because maybe Harvey could be the exception, but I don't look at these guys as being help when this team is legitimately good again. You know, I, I don't, even if say Harvey were under contract for the next five years, I don't know that I see Harvey being, the closer. Maybe he's a seventh inning guy. So maybe you could say that he's still valuable in that case right. when this team is competing. But is Harvey really your closer when you're competing again and for a playoff run? I don't know that he is. So I don't mind moving any of these guys. If one of them looked like that and he was under control for the next couple of years, I would have a little bit of a different approach. But my thought process is you got to find relievers at some point that can help you down the road. I mean, they have a couple of them that can help you this year in terms of Edwards and Finnegan and Harvey. Those are the only guys they seem to really trust, and rightfully so. But I, I, I would be fine moving any of those guys and almost all of them, honestly. It would stink to watch this team without those guys because, I mean, who are you throwing out there? Jordan Weems is now your closer, I think, would be something of that sort. So it would be a tough watch for Nationals fans. But if you could get some guys back and teams really want those guys – I mean, with this new playoff system, there's not a whole lot of clear sellers. 
the nationals are a clear seller and there's going to be a lot of buyers. And so, you know, maybe we're thinking that you're not going to get a whole lot for some of these guys, but when four and five teams want these guys, it drives the price up a little bit. So we'll see. I'm not saying that they're going to get anything crazy back for these guys, but I don't hate moving on from any of them. The, the, the one guy that I would say that we heard talked linked to, to trade rumors before, but not anymore, really Lane Thomas. Yeah, we, we've had this discussion a little bit before Grant, but I'm not moving that guy. I think that he actually can be at worst your fourth outfielder going forward in a couple of seasons. But even if he sticks at this sort of level, he can be an everyday right fielder with Wood and Cruz coming up in the next couple of years. I would hold on to him unless you get something crazy back in return. So I'll get to Lane Thomas in a second. The update, uh, just so people have it on Harvey, is that he felt soreness in his right triceps. Uh, that was after the Saturday game that he played this weekend, having an MRI. This was, I think, as of yesterday, and the, they thought that they were going to be putting him on the 15-day injured list. So my hope is, both from either staying with the Nats or being traded, you know, you've got time, theoretically, where he could get a you know 15-day refresher, recharge the batteries. I mean, guys have gotten traded before when they're on the injured list if teams feel like it's not a serious thing. Uh, having said that, it's still possible. I guess you could move him, but yeah, that, that is a, a complicating factor to your point uh, with Davey yesterday saying it's more than likely that he'll go to the shelf. Uh, if he said it to the 15 day injured list, um, <clears throat> they're being cautious. I mean, that, and that was something that and they uh, should be. Davey said, I'd rather be very careful, very cautious with him. So I guess I'm not thinking of it as a serious injury that would prohibit them from trading him, but this is a guy who underwent Tommy John surgery in 2016 and has had all kinds of health things going on throughout his career. So uh, to your point, you know, A, you got to be cautious, and B, it could hinder their chances of moving him. But there's enough time on the calendar that if they wanted to, you know, put him on the shelf briefly here for 10, 15 days, they'd be able to do that. Um, and uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Uh, on Lane, I think you're right. I think you just have to be blown away. Um, I would, I'm more likely to to trade him, I'd say, than the, the average Nats fan is. I'm pretty cold blooded with, with this rebuild. Like, uh, if, if you are able to get me something back that helps me in a year or two, I'm doing that. Now that the point could be that he could help you in a year or two. Uh, I'm not, is this what Lane Thomas is every year, right? I, I think this could be his career year. And so I like selling high, no different than when you're moving out of your house. Um, that said, you're right. I mean, he's played so well. He's got enough control now. You could trade him this offseason, still as an example, uh, with control left and get something back. I don't think you have to move him unless someone really makes you move him. So this is not a, hey, we'll give you, you know, our Riley Adams or, or Mason Thompson or, you know, some of the moves they've made at the deadline, like no chance. This is, I want something young and controllable that helps me you know, in the, the minor league level that I think is a good prospect that I'm going to add to my system. My guess is, you know, that they don't get that offer and he sticks with them. Any other guys that you think that maybe could get moved? I know we talked about maybe Ildemaro Vargas. We've heard him thrown out there. I don't know that there's any other guys, though. Yeah, I think Vargas could get traded and should get traded. I mean, honestly, he, he's valuable. He can play a lot of positions defensively. He never strikes out. He puts the ball in play. He comes up with some big swings. Like he's not a starter on a, on a team that's making the playoffs, but I think he could be a really nice bench bat. I would absolutely be interested in bringing a guy like that in if I needed someone off the bench who could play, particularly a premium position up the middle defensively uh, at shortstop. 
Um, so I, I think he will get traded, and I think people might be a little surprised by that. Um, I would look to move Finnegan and Edwards. Uh, you know, last year they kind of showed us what they think when they didn't trade either of those guys and specifically Edwards. Um, so I would do it differently than them. But if I had to guess, I think Candelario goes. I think Vargas goes. And maybe I'll say one reliever, let's say Edwards, uh, gets moved. Yeah, I think that's a good list. I think if you can get anything for Vargas, go ahead and move on. I think Candelario is good as gone already. And I wouldn't mind bringing him back if you could after the offseason, but we'll see with that. And then I agree, at least one reliever, I think, is getting moved. 